Hey everyone, you need to come into this podcast. Uh, the idea is this, bragging, big shot, and donuts. What do they all have in common? We'll see you there. Successful people learn how to make their minds work for them. We are Life Is Now, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. I want to talk about bragging in business. Bragging in business. Yeah. Bragging and business, right? So this right. all came up because I did a, a marketing workshop. With our Elite Mind uh, 365 members, uh, and the I was teaching them a strategy called the Client Win Email Strategy. Okay, right? and the whole premise behind the Client Win Email Strategy is to share stories of their clients and their wins. And it was met with a pretty interesting amount of resistance. Um. And I asked the question, because this is all over Zoom, obviously, and, and, and I'm looking at all their faces and I'm watching them, you know, as I'm taking them through the strategy. And some of them had a really hard time. Like they, they, they knew that their, their clients had, their, there were client wins because of information that they've shared or guidance that they've given, right? But yeah. they, were, they were having a really hard time writing about it. Um, and I so said- So are they writing about this as like a testimonial? Yeah, or, yeah but okay. not even a testimonial. Like- the framework is like, when I met David, he was struggling in his business, right? And, and, and then you go through like the th- things that, that he did and the end result that David got. And if you want, you know, if you want some help with this, respond, right? right? It's right. like, it's basically, it's basically like the most effective form of marketing is social proof, right. period, right? There's yeah. a reason that, that people go to Amazon because they can read reviews. And they mm-hmm. make their purchases based on reviews. And it's not just the stars, right? Yes, people look at the stars, but they click in and they read what other people have to say. So, you know, for example, when I was sick, I had the flu a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting and I was scrolling through Instagram and I came across one of my most favorite feeds that I follow, which is a cooking feed. It's called Half-Baked Harvest. I love it. I, I made like a gazillion of her recipes. She's a, she's a brilliant business owner. Um, and she was, there was a picture of these maple glazed donuts and I'm, I'm sitting there like feeling like garbage <laughs> and the maple glazed donuts got me. Right. Cause I'm looking for something to make me feel better. Even yeah, though yeah. I know if I eat this donut, I'm going to feel awful. Cause I have all these crazy food sensitivities, <laughs> but Brandon and I got to talking and I'm like, damn, I could make these. Like I could, you know, use my own gluten-free flour and, you know, do all my things to make them really good. Healthify them. Healthify them, right? But yet they'd still be delicious and I need a distraction from how crummy I'm feeling right yeah, now. So sure. let's talk about donuts. And we went on Amazon to look for these donut pans because I didn't, she didn't fry them. She baked them and they have these pans that are donut shaped, right? Okay. That you pour dough into and, and they bake up in a donut shape like a cake donut, right? And we noticed that one of these donut pans had 19,000 reviews. Like 19,000 people wrote reviews on a donut <laughs> these pan. donut pans. And I was like, these must be really good donut pans. Like 
19,000. And then I started looking at the other ones, right? And there was like a donut pan that had like 327 reviews and a donut pan that had like 9,400 reviews. First of all, I didn't know donut pan, these donut pans existed until I saw that the feed in Instagram. They have quite the following. These donut now pans. I'm like, damn, there are a lot of people that make donuts, right? Like okay. baking them. And so this, this was just like one more and I'm constant. I mean, you know, my brain, like everything I do, I go camping and I'm thinking about marketing, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking yeah. at, Oh, look how this spider built their web next to where their ideal client is. So it can catch lots of insects. Like my brain thinks in, in marketing. Yeah. You think through the filter. So I'm, I'm on Amazon and I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is such a testament that, that social proof sells because there's a reason why this has 19,000 people see that it has more reviews than anyone else and they buy it. They go and they read through and, you know, you read through the comments and they're like, oh, this is such a light, you know, a light pan. Well, I want a light pan. I don't want a heavy donut pan. And oh, I made the most perfect golden brown donuts and they were, they came out of the pan because it's nonstick. Well, I want perfect golden brown donuts that come out of a pan because it's nonstick. You know, it's like people are in the reviews telling a story about the thing that they purchased and I'm identifying with it saying, I want that or I don't want that, right? That's what reviews do. Like, I want that or I don't want that. And then that justifies your purchase. You make the purchase. And yes, we have two donut pans sitting in our kitchen waiting to be currently used, right? And yes, I bought the one that had 19,000 reviews. So I told this story to, to our, our group and I said, you know, what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on using your client wins as stories to allow people to see possibility for themselves, right? Because that's what I did. I saw, hey, if they can make these, 19,000 people can make damn good donuts. Well, then so can I. Right. And this pan is the ticket, right? So I'm yep. buying this pan. And the idea behind the, the marketing workshop that I was teaching is that you know, you've got to tell stories of how you help people so people can say, I want that or I don't want that. Yeah. Right. Either yeah, way, yeah. like you want them to be like, yes, I want that or no, I don't want that. You don't want people to be stuck in the middle of, I don't know what I want. Right. And so I took them through this process that laid out all the components of a well-formed client win email to send to their list. And that's when I noticed this like resistance popping up. People you know, got cloudy in, in how to think about it. They got cloudy in the confusion came in, which we Mm -hmm. know is a sabotage strategy, right? Anytime you feel confused, you're in self-sabotage. It's a great strategy that your subconscious mind uses to keep you exactly where you are. And it was such a simple activity, David, like step-by-step there's six steps, right? Like six steps on how to write this really effective, very, very effective and tested email formula. And I asked the group, like I, we, I was, I was halfway through and I checked in and I'm like, how's everybody feeling right now? And some were like, you know, great, good, fine, you know. Um, and then a couple people were like, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this. And then I said, how many of you feel like you're bragging? And several of them on Zoom raised their hand. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, especially growing up middle class, it's not okay. To talk about how good you are. No. It's not it's not an okay thing for you to brag, mm-hmm. right? You actually are supposed to hide the things that you're that you're really good at so that yeah. you can maintain your I hate to say this, but kind of your sheep status, right? Like Yeah, that's right. No, you're exactly correct. And so I wanted to talk about it because I think there's a big mindset shift. And I think that this is this is a um a wool in sheep's clothing, actually, this bragging thing. Because what we notice with a lot of business owners is that they keep themselves pretty well hidden. 
And they do it under the they they do it with one of the excuses as, well, I don't wanna, I don't wanna self-promote. I don't wanna brag. I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna seem conceited. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk 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 about that with you. Well, it, you know, it is an interesting it is an interesting phenomenon, and of course, this is one of the values that is completely different when you become an entrepreneur than when you're working for someone else. There, there's so many areas that we could go with this because everything that we learn as um, an employee for someone is really designed to keep us safe and to keep that employment. Yeah. Right. So when you're when you're employed. Everybody should really think about this for a moment. When you're employed by somebody else, there's kind of this unwritten rule that you don't you don't outshine your boss. You don't outshine the owner, right? You you play the role, right? You can shine in your role, but you don't outshine anybody else. You stay within you stay within the construct of, of whatever that is. I've watched people get fired for doing that specifically. I've seen people get fired. For outshining? For outshining. That's true in families too. Yep, absolutely. Right? Oh, like well, that's where I was going. Okay, that, yeah, sorry. That, jumped no, ahead on you. That's okay. That's okay. So it's, a, I was going to say, where does this come from, right? Mm-hmm. There's the whole pecking order within families. And uh, it causes major problems. So we're, this idea is ingrained that here's who you are, here's the role that you're in, and don't step outside of that role. And you get, you get shamed, you get guilted, you get ridiculed, you get made fun of all different kinds of things to keep you within the, the constraint of this is who you are. And, it, and it's a double-sided coin, I, I think, because not only is it uncomfortable for that person to break out, but it also becomes very uncomfortable for the people that are around them. If you step out of the role of who everybody else thinks you're supposed to be, it becomes very uncomfortable for those people. It's like, this, it's like the adage where we talk about where... The moment you start to change everybody else, you force everybody else to change. They yes. have to adapt to the change. Yes. And if they're uncomfortable, then that's where this, uh, this, uh, uh, res- this response comes to push you back down into that place. Like, how dare you come, you know, come Who out Who do you of that. think you are? Who do you think you are? Right, exactly. You think you're so good. Who do you think you are? And really seriously made fun of. like. Um, I remember, I remember as a kid doing a few things where I kind of stepped out a little bit. Like I was trying to step into my confidence and literally having family members go, what are you, a big shot now? Like, just like, I'm going to take you, strip you right down to the knees because you stepped out. And it was like a punch in the gut as a kid, right? Because you, you feel good, you're excited about something and you go too big. And instead of having any kind of uh, civil discourse around whatever your behavior is or whatever, it's like, cut you off at the knees. So, you know, when people, when people decide that they're going to go down the route of being an entrepreneur or small business owner or whatever it is, part of the deal is you're stepping into this place where you have to be in control of your self-promotion. This is not about other people approving you in order so that you could promote yourself to different levels of your own success Mm -hmm. in life. That ownership you have to take on yourself and you have to be the one that literally tells the world about you, right? 
Well, the crazy thing about this is that this email strategy actually doesn't even even mention the person. It's right. it's a story of the transformation of someone that they knew and helped, right? So the the email isn't about them at all. It's about the client. It's so that it's so that a prospect can read it and be like, "Yeah, I want that," or "No, I don't want that." Or if that if it's possible for that person, then maybe it's possible for me, right? Well, was there anything going on about them feeling like that they were taking credit for their clients? Yeah, behavior or yeah. win. Yeah. So, so kind of bragging from yeah. the perspective of that, not yeah, allowing and, themselves to have a win with the win. Yeah, and I'm like, this isn't about who's taking credit for what. This is your part of their journey you're telling their story like it's probably it's the strategy is probably the least bragging (laughs) client testimonial (laughs) strategy that you know i've ever seen quite honestly because it just tells the story it's almost case study based right like yeah this is this is this is where this person was when i met them this is what they did to change this is the result of that change if you'd like some help getting that result reply to the email i mean really it, it was very um very simple, very straightforward. Um, and it's always interesting to me that when you look at a strategy logically, it seems very simple, but then when you actually go to do it and it's pushing up against a core wound or a core negative belief or a core fear, how difficult it can seem. And we see that a lot with even our yeah, private clients, taking them through some processes that are very, very simple, but they're, they're not. <laughs> they're they're not. not easy. No. You know? No, it, it's again, like you said, it is really interesting because you could even watch somebody else do it and go, oh, that's pretty, that seems simple enough. And then once you get emotionally involved in it, your subconscious mind starts limiting you based on whatever your core wound is, Yeah, right? I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm afraid to be exposed. I don't want people to reject me, whatever it might be. Right. This even, I mean, this popped up. So now my mind's popping into like 10 different directions. So I apologize if I'm running on tangents here. But this even even shows up on websites, right? When we we meet with people and I I take I do like an audit of their website, just kind of give feedback. And it's amazing to me. Um, you know, the most valuable real estate on your website is the homepage before above the scroll. Right? It's the first thing people see. Mm-hmm. And so few people include testimonials and case studies above the fold. And it's one of the most um effective strategies. Like it's what people go to a website to look for. What are the case studies? What are what are the testimonials? It's why people go to Amazon. Yeah. Right? They they go to Amazon to find the product and read the reviews. Right. Quite honestly. Um and people just stay, it's just easy to stay hidden. It's easy to stay small because staying small and staying hidden is safe. Feels safe. It's interesting when you were telling your story about your family, you know, and how they were just cutting you down at the knees when you were growing. And I remember a, a, a similar story, not similar, a not similar story, but similar story. When I was in elementary school, I was really bright, like uh, high intellect, right? Mm. Really, really high in English, really high in language. I mean, totally capable student. And there was another girl um, in my class who happened to have the same birthday as me, by the way. And I'm going to use a name to protect her identity in case for some reason she listens to this. We'll call her Carrie. Carrie. So Carrie was a straight A student. She was impeccable. She always got great grades. She always got high test scores. And everyone always made fun of her. They always made fun. She was she was a really nice kid. 
nothing wrong with her, didn't look weird, like nothing crazy about, what did I call her? Carrie? Carrie. So, and, and I noticed this, right? And I, in my, I remember having a conversation with my mom on the way home from school one day and I showed her my report card and it was B's and C's and she was pissed. Like she was like, you are not trying your best. And the rule my family was, if you're trying your best, that's all I can ask for, right? right? But she right. knew I wasn't trying my best. And she was on my case and I'm like, she's like, why are you not getting A's? Like, what is this? And I said, I'm not getting A's because I don't want to be Carrie and I don't want to be made fun of. So I'm going to fly under the radar and get B's and C's. Wow. You actually said that. I actually said that. That's wild. You know, I watched a lot of people in school, um, not just academically, but people that outshined others get completely ripped apart, made fun of constantly, brutalized, you know, really seriously bullied. And it's, I can, I can, I don't, I don't know that I ever had this experience, not in school myself, but I could see why somebody would tone themselves down uh, to not draw attention to their own greatness, which will turn into a lifelong situation right? for, for those individuals. But, I, but here's the other thing, and this part is actually kind of scary. I mean, being bullied and all that is horrible enough when you're in school. But what I, one of the things that I do remember is uh, having friends that had abusive parents where if they did anything to outshine the parents, it was, they got brutalized. Oh, yeah, because they were a constant projection, yeah, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think as entrepreneurs, you, you've got to realize that you need to rise above that, right? And that when you share a client win, it's actually not bragging. No, it's not at all. It, it, it's just not. It's not. It's, it's sharing stories. Even so that, if you're sharing your own win, it's not bragging. No. I mean, it's, it's so fascinating to me because, and this, this happens every time we do a 90-day cohort of our Elite Mind 90-day program. At the very last session, at the 90 days, it's kind of an open forum where we, mm. where we say, this is for you. Come, share your wins. Share what you learned, right? Yeah. And it is amazing to me the wins that they've had and the awarenesses that they've had that they've not shared. Like we have an entire Facebook group. We're constantly saying, hey, share your wins. Let's, let's help celebrate you. And they don't. And then they wait until, okay, this is the time. We want to hear your wins. Come to this with the win. And then we right. hear all these amazing things and we're just like, wow. Yep. You, you didn't allow anyone to celebrate you when this was actually happening. Yeah. Like. That's kind of sad to me. It is. I think, so, you know, one of them, and this is, I think that this is, this is interesting, like, from a, a historical perspective also. Why is it that it's not okay for us to brag? Why do we hear that as a value growing up? Mm. I mean, so yeah. we're, not, we're not supposed to talk about the good things that happen, but it's okay to sit around the dinner table and complain about everything that went wrong today. And to talk about that endlessly, for on and on and on, for hours and days and lifetimes about how terrible the world is or my boss or why I can't get ahead in life or whatever it is that you see is the problem in your life, to just continually go, go on with that. And yeah, it's almost like you shouldn't say 
that you're doing well because people that aren't, you'll make them feel bad. So you become responsible for someone so, else's feelings. Yeah. Yes. And it's, but, but it's also an, like a crazy assumption. Like, why does it have to make somebody feel bad? Maybe it will inspire someone to do something different. Yes. yes. Right. What if we change that value around to let's inspire each other right now? There is a, I do agree that there is a bragging where a person is, is over exaggerating their achievements because of low self-esteem. Yes. I think that that's different, right? But again, it has nothing to do with anybody else. It just has to do with what that person's going through in their own growth. But, but when I was growing up, there was this whole idea of don't make people feel bad because you're doing better than they are. And I never really understood that. And I've also heard, I've also heard other people say, like when you hear somebody like over complaining, like they'll give them a little shot, like quit bragging about your problems. Because it is, it, in, a, in a very big way, it really is. You're looking for attention, right? Yes. When you're going over and over constantly about your problems, you're really looking for some kind of attention. So what if the idea was that we changed the, oh, where I was going with this was today it's more of a problem than probably ever. Like we've got this whole thing today. I saw something the other day where it was like, you should ask permission before you talk about anything in your life that's good because there might be people around you that will automatically feel bad or be triggered by your comment. Where in the hell did you see it that? It was on social media. Oh it was God. on social media. So you might as well just like hole up in a house in the woods yeah. by yourself and not talk to another single human yeah. being. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, it's going, it, it's so bad, it, it's even going into some, some self-identity stuff. Right. There was um, there was one where I read where they said, uh, if you're a white person, you shouldn't just assume that black people want to be around you. You should ask permission before you enter an area where there's black people because they might be triggered because you're white. So it's gotten that bad. I mean, it's it's gone right into a complete ideology of it's not okay to be you at all. There's something wrong with you and just you as a person maybe triggering to other people and therefore you should really watch your behavior. Well, it's a total shirking of personal responsibility. Completely. Like if somebody's triggered, that's their personal responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. But if you if you think about it, if you think about the contrast in that stuff, like when we were a kid it was like don't don't brag cuz you don't want to make somebody else feel bad. And it's like, okay, I can understand that to a little point. Like if somebody's really down and you're not actually helping them feel <laughs> yeah, better, yeah, right? You know, yeah. like they're suicidal and you're like, my life's fucking great. Yeah, baby, your <laughs> life sucks. I, I could totally get that. I would totally understand that. But that's not what we're talking about. And, it, and to, to not work in an uplifting way just keeps society down to this place where now people believe that they, there's almost like this deservability in their own loathing of where they are. I, they don't accept responsibility. They've bought into victimization as an ideology. They identify with it very deeply and nothing should come any, anywhere around them to suggest that, you know, maybe they could be better than they are because if you do that, you're, that you're really going to hurt me. And I think that what the people were communicating to you, there's almost like a fear of that that's, you know, like if I, if I go too far, people won't like me. And with business, it's people won't buy from me, right? I mean, let's just say it. 
there's this whole thing about earning. So the psychological idea about overcoming that, I think, is number one, it's fantastic for you to talk about what you're doing and how good you're doing because you have to. I think we. I believe if we don't continually work on our self-esteem, society will rip it apart. Well, that I agree, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Not a whole lot in society supports an individual self-esteem. Not anymore. It doesn't. Not anymore. And that's actually different because when we were kids, there were a lot of things in community. And like, it wasn't like the world was perfect, but there were a lot of things in community that did support that. And you could get kids involved in things that actually support the building, like the Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts, you know, um, yeah. all the, the, what was the, um, the junior, uh, junior achievement? Like there were a lot of different things that really helped people build skills and confidence so that they could more step into their adulthood being much more solid in, in who they are. And today it's almost like that's a, that's like a no go. It's not okay. It's not actually okay to be a healthy human being in a way. I agree. I mean, I think that I, yeah, it's like shame on you for being happy and having any, having a nice life. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't feel bad about having a nice life. I really don't. No, I don't either. Um, do you ever find yourself holding back from sharing? Because I know I do. Like hold it, holding back some of my wins, if you will, um, where I don't want to make it. And this is, to put it in a context, where I came from, I'm always very cognizant of not this, this is the old me, but not outgrowing the people that I used to see every single summer I would go home. So my human highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it was, was always muted slightly because I didn't want to say, look at me, I'm, you know, the guy who got out. So the question I have is, do you ever hold yourself back and maybe still celebrate, but you mute it a little bit just so as not to um, make other people feel a certain way just throwing it out there i think that i choose who i celebrate with yep i was gonna say that's i wouldn't what I was share say. a win with someone who doesn't have the capacity to join me in that yeah. win and i don't see that as holding back i th i think that is choosing what you share yeah with whom you share it yeah. with right right um like there are certain things that like certain wins that i wouldn't share with my family because they just don't have the capacity to understand the win for one or even or even celebrate it. And it, but I would share that. I wouldn't hesitate to share that win with, with someone else. Right. right? Yeah, and, sure. and you put yourself, when you do that, you put yourself in a position to be berated instead of celebrated. Right. Because they don't be, and, and I mean, this is a psychological fact with most new things. The, when new things come down the pike, most people attack them first. Right. It goes through a whole process before they're accepted. And, and it's the same thing with individuals, right? If I show up uh, having changed in the family unit, and that's what it is that I'm talking about, because they don't understand it, they have to self-justify, and they're going to project, and they're going to they're make fun of or put down what I'm doing. So I'm not about that, right? So that, that's, that, that is not a, that's not a healthy or productive conversation. So I don't see it as holding back. Like Steph said, it's choosing who to have what conversation with. There's a, there's a thing. I mean, it's like it's appropriate conversation. You would not have an adult conversation with children, right? Right. Because they couldn't understand it. They yeah. don't have the ability to respond. It's the same thing with certain people. You're around people 
that don't understand what you're doing. They don't have the ability to respond. They, they can't even participate in the conversation from a productive place. So you choose yeah. to have a different conversation. Yeah. But not holding back T as in I feel bad about what I've done or I don't want to make them feel bad. Yeah, sure. And I think that's part of the reason I brought that up is because I can see the growth in myself in this area in particular, because there was a time maybe three or four years ago when I had to get off of social media for a time. I'm still off of it now, but this was even before the election chaos of 2020. I was thinking to myself, like I would go out and do all these amazing things. I'd be posting on Instagram on the daily. I was one of those obnoxious people who took pictures of their food and exotic locales and did all these sorts of things just so I could mark the moment, right? But then I would see other people in my feed doing the same thing and immediately I'd get triggered. I'm like, who are you to be able to think you can do that thing when I was doing the exact same thing? So (laughs) the self-esteem part wasn't where it is now and I'm able to get beyond it because A, I've aged and I've done the work on myself, but it was really interesting to see my reaction. That's why I bring it up because social media is rampant with human highlight film and the, the best of the best. But when we're celebrating our clients, like when, when you guys put out posts about the things that people are doing, that is not a bragging of anything. That is just recognizing the hard work in a real and authentic way. This is not, we are not fabricating these things. And I think that's what's important. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. I get excited to to celebrate our client wins because I feel like I'm I'm highlighting them. Yeah. You know, like I'm celebrating them. Like, you know, we I'll get a text that says, "Hey, we just wrapped up a launch and we hit over over six figures better than we thought." Take a screenshot, put it out on Facebook and say, "Guys, help me help me congratulate this person on on hitting this huge huge milestone." And then other people will be like, "Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Congratulations." So, it's actually not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's, this is a really amazing thing that someone, someone created and they should be celebrated for it. Yeah. You know, it goes back to that whole thing. Like, um, when I've done the financial set point training, the idea is like, people don't understand one of the major things that's controlling the amount of money they make is the exposure at the opposite ends of that money, either not having it or having too much of it. Right. And people seeing them and judging them in that, in that space. If I start putting out all of this really cool material about how my clients are doing so well, now I'm seen differently, right? And, and if I don't know what to do with that, if I haven't learned the skills to process that, it's going to be something I'm going to want to withdraw from and not even probably know why I'm withdrawing from it, which is interesting. Well, it's fascinating to me because even in having conversations with some of our clients, they didn't even know that they were resisting doing this. Like it wasn't even an option in their mind to to share their client wins, right? Like it didn't dawn on them. It didn't, it didn't even dawn on them that it was a possibility because of, because of those, those inside beliefs, right? Like, you know, stay small, stay safe, stay in control. Right. Stay in control. That's a big one, right? You know, you get too big, then you, you risk losing control. Right. Um, And that's, that's really big because most entrepreneurs are, are pretty, um, uh, what do I want to say here? Most entrepreneurs love control. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that could, be, that could be a good thing. It could also be not a not great well, thing. Well, that's like anything, yes. right? It's, everything has a sweet spot, right? Control is, you have to have control as an entrepreneur, but if you have too much control, you can't be an entrepreneur. Correct. Because you can't grow. You can't grow. Right. 
Yeah, I think it's a fascinating phenomenon that happens. Um, and I'm this is just like public service announcement, y'all. Like, share your client wins. Absolutely. Do you, do you have a way uh, a way to go about that? Is there like a right way to do it, or is it just throw it out there? Like, when you're celebrating your clients, how, do you pick a particular? F- area of social media to do it? Do you do it through email? Do you reach out to the person first? So if I'm a person listening to this and I want to, you know, put it out there and show some social proof because it boosts my standing in the community, what is the way to go about doing it from the best amplification standpoint? Well, one of the things that Steph's talking about is using it as a marketing strategy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I think, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably several different ways that this can be done. One of them is a marketing strategy where you're actually using it strategically to help boost um, the relationship between you and and whoever you're doing. And the other one might just be doing it as a, a friendly celebration, yeah. right? With, with amongst a group, like, like uh, support in a way. Yeah. Like in our transformation 2022 Facebook group, right? We'll post wins in there um, because I think it's great. It's an, it's an example of transformation. It, yeah. it, it's in line with the culture and the ideals of that Facebook group. In email, it's a marketing strategy. It's so people can read someone else's story and like, like my review on Amazon, reading the reviews on Amazon, like, hey, I want that. And a lot of times you assume that people understand that, you, you, you assume that people know what it is that you do, right? We, in our head, we know what we do, right? Mm-hmm. But it's very true in most businesses. A lot of people that follow you don't actually know like what you do and how you help people unless you tell them what you do and how you help people. Right. Right. So it's a great opportunity to showcase like this is this is the transformation. These are these are the tangible results that are possible for you too. You know, do you want our help with that? Absolutely. I agree. And then in terms of social media. I'm, I'm a big fan of permission first, honestly. Like if I, we get a good testimonial or someone that sends me an email, that's really incredible. Um, I'll reach out and say, Hey, can I celebrate you publicly? And there, I've never had a no. Yeah. Like I've never had a no. Right. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Celebrate. And like, thank you. And, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a growth experience for them too. <laughs> right. Because then they get the kudos on social media and, and they get to sit in the discomfort of being seen. Right. And so, how many people didn't get celebrated in their life as a kid growing up? Oh, and man. this might be the first opportunity to help open that door to that amazing experience for them. It's an incredible gift. Yeah. I know when we did a, we did a free training several months ago, and I've mentioned her name many times, um, Megan Pastrana had agreed to, to share her story with our audience. We actually created a case study based yeah. on the incredible um, growth that she's had. And I reached out to her and said, hey, will you share your story with, with our audience? Like, well, actually, I just started sharing her story and she was on the training and I had permission to do that. And she actually reached out to me and said, that was such a valuable experience for me to be seen like that in front of a hundred or, you know, several hundred people and to, to see their reaction to my story <laughs> and for me to not like want to cower yeah. over it. You know, it was a real growth experience for her as well. So, um. You know, I think as as business leaders, we need to share our wins. And I think it, it, even in like sharing your wins with your team, like your small wins, what are your personal wins? What are your weekly wins? It's something we do every single Friday. Yeah. 
our team gets on Zoom and everyone goes around and we share our wins for the week. Here's, you know, as you listen, as you're listening to Steph and I talk about this, ask yourself if there's anything about this that feels uncomfortable. Because if it feels uncomfortable, it's definitely a growth edge for you. It's, it's, it's like you need to really address this because so much of a person's success in a, as a business owner is literally celebrating something, right? A product, a service, a person, a client, a result, a win. You, like you, there has to be a shameless self-promotion of something going on. And because you're the owner, you're the best one to be able to really start to develop doing that in a, in a great way. And there is a skill to it. I mean, it's not, you know, you learn how to do it in ways that exemplify different things based on what it is that you want to be seen and how you want to communicate it. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with it. Nope. Be a big shot. That's what I say. Ooh, I like be a that. big shot. I be love a that. Big shot. I love that. I do too. So speaking of um, growth edge, I'd like to get back to talking about donuts for a minute. Is that okay? Because I mean, <laughs> oh my God. we kind of just breezed over that. We're talking about bragging Dude, on social media. So good. I bet they did. They were, they were maple glaze. Well, that's how doesn't like a maple glaze That's happening donut. this weekend. Well, uh, you know, as, as we're doing this, we're, we're, about six months away from National Donut Day, which takes place the first oh, Friday in June. Only and you would know that. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's thanks to my friends on the internet. But um, here's, here's the thing. Do, do any of you know which country eats the most donuts? The U.S.? No, it's not the U.S., but they're very close to the U.S. Canada? You betcha. Oh. It's, the, it's the Canadians. Of course, they got Timmy Hortons up Tim there. Tim Hortons, Who baby. doesn't love some Tim Hortons, That's right? That's one of the top five donut places. According to this website I came across, it was ranked uh, in the top five of the most popular donut shops frequented by police officers. And I know that's an old yeah. standby. But uh, see if any of these ring your bell. Winchell's? Do you remember Winchell's? I remember Winchell's, He's definitely. Had that. Yep. Shipley's? Not familiar with that mm -hmm. one. No. That's in the South. Timmy Hortons, of course. Yeah. Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, clearly. Duncan, and then yeah. number one, what do you think number one donut place is in the U.S.? Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Fascinating piece about Krispy Kreme founded right up the road here in Winston-Salem. Oh Can you God. believe that? I mean, donuts around this part. I'm excited. I'm passionate about donuts right now. <laughs> I can tell. I'm so passionate about it. But yeah, when you start talking about Krispy Kreme, I had no idea that it was basically in our backyard where those were started. And uh, that was in 1937. Tim Hortons is... Because um, I've spent so much time in Canada in my career for various different reasons. Um, Tim Hortons is very much what Dunkin' Donuts used to be in the back in the day. Dunkin' Donuts was made a damn good donut. And it was a great place to go. You used to get coffee there before Starbucks and, and all of that. And Hortons is like that today. Sure. It's a much more up-leveled experience than what Dunkin' has become. Absolutely. And I think that, you know... Uh, I do remember Winchell's. I, I yeah. do remember, <laughs> I do remember Winchell's, but I was going to say that, uh, crispy, crispy cream really kind of knocked, knocked Dunkin' Donuts on their ass. Yeah, yeah they sure did. Uh, let me ask you this. What's your favorite? What's your go-to? What do you got? You get, you get one donut right now, right here, delivered to this very desk. What are you taking? One donut. Um, so are we talking a, in a, in a traditional sense of a donut or are we talking like, uh, like the updated gourmet donuts with. Hey, all if kinds you want to throw a French donut in there, aka the beignet from Cafe Du Monde, be my guest. You can do what you want to do, however you want it. You make the rules right now, and I'm not bragging about that. That's your. That's um. Your. Mm. 
That's a tough one. I got mine. I'm going maple iced all day long. They call it a long john in some parts of the world. We call it a maple stick back in Montana. It was a, it's just a beautiful maple. There was also chocolate covered ones in Chicago that they called long johns. We call them long johns in Wisconsin. Yeah. Not putting cream in those babies. Those were were good. Um, you know, and I'm also, it's like, here's something we haven't talked about. What about the donut hole? I know. We haven't even touched the donut hole. That We don't want to go down a rabbit hole on the donut so hole that's, right now. So, like, you get a box of 30 yes. or whatever of the different kind of they flavor They call them donuts. munchkins, I think, at, at yeah, Dunkin'. So, all right. Munchkins. So, here's so here's my favorite. The one, I don't know if they still call it this because I haven't had a donut and I can't remember how long. A Bismarck. Okay. Oh, I remember right. the Bismarck. Yeah, Bismarck. That's a good quality, good yeah. quality pick. Mm-hmm. I like an apple, um, an apple cider donut, an apple cider cake donut. Just straight up cake uh-huh. donut. Um, that's tossed in cinnamon and sugar. Oh. I totally changed my mind. Uh-oh. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that because Edwards Apple Orchard. I knew. I knew. All as of soon you, as Ill- I said all of our it. Illinois yeah. followers there. If you go up in North Boone County to Edwards Apple Orchard, yeah. Although I think it's probably out of season right now, yeah. but in the fall, they got the best damn cider donuts in the world, man. Add in a cup of cider and yeah, yeah, coffee. Well, we're gonna have to try Steph's donuts that she's gonna make. You know, over the course of the yeah, weekend. weekend, we'll have to sample some of those and well, see. How I they mean, are. how can you go wrong with nineteen thousand people behind your pan? That's I know. true. That's a nice looking pan. <laughs> I'm too. feeling pretty confident. Eight point seven billion dollar industry. The donut is annually in the United 8. States. Eight point seven billion? billion is in B. You know, that's like, that's Musk money right there. That's like crazy, insane money right there. But that's a donut. I'm so glad that we're able to have this conversation because we we, we covered all manners of things, but now I know uh, what to get you for uh, the holidays. Well, the donut makes people smile, I think. It sure does. And it's got a hole in it. And it does have a hole in it. It's convenient. You can put, you can get them on your fingers. You wear them like (laughs) rings. So there you go. This has been fun. Thank you. You bet. All right, we just came out of the donut hole, and uh, it was an interesting conversation. How do we go, like, these are really interesting, how we can go from one topic to another that have actually nothing related, but in some way we make the connection. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, sign up, subscribe for us. Um, Yeah, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. I think that's a good idea. Tell your friends about our podcast. We love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you want to know more, go to lifeisnowinc.com.